Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and welcome to the show that digs deeper to understand what matters most in business. We're coming to you live, as always, from the RVN Television Studios in beautiful Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Today, we're going to be talking about creating transformational change, and I'm pleased to welcome Ben Baker, who's the president of Your Brand Marketing, also the author of two books, which we're going to talk about as well. Ben, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Hey, Dave, thanks for having me on the show. Looking forward to this in such many ways. Yeah, this is going to be a good, fun conversation, and uh, I know you've got a lot of wisdom to impart with the to the audience. So uh, without further ado, why don't we dive right in? And, and I want to start by, by talking about what I said is the, the theme for the program here, which is creating transformational change. I think it would be good to set a frame to actually define that, because organizations are always going through change that's the only thing that's really constant in business is that things are always changing what is transformational change transformational change is that black swan moment it's it's the stuff that makes companies go from a to b to c you know whether it's a a, a new divisional uh, opening up it's it's a new office opening up it's a new computer program it's bringing on a merger and acquisition it's those type of events that people sit there and say, ah, okay, before this we were different, tomorrow we were different, but today here's where we are. And it enables people to sit there and go, oh, wait a second here. This is going to change the way we do business. This is going to change the way we interact with each other. This is the way we're going to handle our clients. And that's what transformational change is. So if we think of change that way, we're probably in the right, you know, we're in the right uh, uh, right position. Yeah, the monumental shifts, the really big stuff, if you will. Got it. Exactly. And I think it was you that told me that 70% of change manage management initiatives fail. Why is that? And did I get that well, right? I, that, that stat doesn't come from me. It comes from uh, Harvard Business Review. And I've talked to a lot of business leaders that, quite honestly, they say that number is light. The reason that that number is light is because we don't communicate through change. We all think that, okay, we've been in a small group of people, we've been figuring out what's gonna change for six months, a year, two years, whatever. We've built the budgets, we've built the strategy, and we haven't let anybody in on what's going on. So all of a sudden, we've started sitting there going, okay, we need to let the staff, the teams know what's going on. And we're 32 steps down the road. We're bought in, we're ready to go. We want this thing to move. And everybody else in the office is sitting there going, what are you talking about? What do you mean we're doing this? Why are we doing this? Hang on a second. What is this going to mean for my job? What is this going to mean for our customers? And nobody else is sitting there bought in the same way that that small group of people is. And until that is fixed, nothing is going to change. Yeah, and we're going to explore that because I want to understand how we fix that. But before we get into that, I want to talk about kind of the timing of these communications, right? Because when you start to think about a lot of these major monumental shifts, like you mentioned, a merger or an acquisition, there's a lot of quiet time where you can't be talking about these things. So give us an idea of when is the right time to actually start initiating uh, or socializing internally, if you will, these big change initiatives. I think as soon as humanly possible, whether it's letting people in slowly and expanding the group as you can and not holding everything back to the last minute, that's the biggest fear and the biggest concern is holding everything back to the last minute. The more you can be letting bigger and bigger groups into the situation, letting them know what's happening and letting them know, hey, I can't let you know exactly what's happening, 
But, you know, we're going to be, there's going to be a monumental shift. There's going to be a change. It's going to affect you. We're working on it. And we're going to be able to let you know about it in such and such time and such and such date. And don't worry about it until then. But don't worry. We're going to have a plan to be able to let you guys know what's happened, what's happening, what's going to happen, and how this affects you. That's how you bring people on board. Yeah, and, and you're alluding to something there about fear mitigation when you're talking about getting them on board, priming the pump to let them know, don't worry about it yet, we have a plan and we're going to communicate with you, which is good, and I, I totally agree with that. But how do you alleviate the inevitable fear of this unknown and how the transformation is going to impact the organization? I think communication is the best you know, elixir for this. Uh, too many companies talk about it once. They just say, this is what's happening, and then they walk away from the situation. But they don't listen. They don't listen to the concerns of the staff. They don't listen to the trepidation. They don't listen to the things that are you know, the misgivings and the mistrust. And as soon as they do that, all of a sudden, people get their backs up. And when people get their backs up, that's when change fails. So we need to sit there and say, listen, we're dealing with human beings here. Human beings don't like you're walking into black rooms. They, they get a little scared walking around corners or ovals when they don't know what's on the other side. And the more we can help them say, hey, get this, we're going over this hill together. We may not know everything, but we know this, this, and this. And what it does is it alleviates some of that scariness and it builds the trust up a little bit more and allows for that situation to go forward more successfully. Yeah, and just to be clear, as, as organizations are communicating this and getting in front of it or actually delivering the, the message when it's the appropriate time, is it about just delivering the message, Ben, or is it also about soliciting feedback and, and hearing how people, how people feel about the message that's being sent to them? I think it's more about how people feel. I mean, yes, you have to get the message across. Yes, you have to sit there and say, hey, Let's all get excited. This is where we're going. This is why we're going there. But at the same time, you need to sit there and say, okay, why are people, you know, why are people hesitant about this? What, are, what have we missed? There's a great term called red team thinking, and it's brought about by Bryce Hoffman and Marcus Dimbleby. And it comes actually just post 9-11 is, is, is where the, the roots of it comes from the, from the U.S. military. But the thought process is, what if we're wrong? What if we've come up with this great strategy, this great tactic, this great implementation plan, and what if we're wrong? And every company has to have that in the back of their mind and be open to being able to be creative, resilient, and adaptive, and pivot because no plan is perfect. No plan has thought of everything. No plan is bulletproof. And the more we listen to our people and somebody says, but what about this? Hang on a second, we hadn't thought about that. Maybe we need to sit there and go, okay, how do we build that into the plan moving forward to make things better? Yeah, and when you think about these transformational change initiatives, you've got to get the buy-in, right? Because leadership isn't going to be able to execute without everyone getting on board and rowing in the same direction. Um, so when, you, when we talk about the idea of employee engagement at a high level, right, most, mm -hmm. most employees are, are disengaged. and going through the motions, but when you get into the transformational change piece, getting them engaged in this particular event is absolutely, absolutely mission critical. How, how do you do that? What's the key to the, the communication to drive the engagement around the initiative, Ben? Well, 
the one thing you need to not do is ignore the naysayers because you've got a group of people out there that probably have influence in their area. These are, these are people that are sitting there going, oh, that's not going to work. Or we've done that before. We've tried that. That, that never worked that last time. And you need to sit there and find a way to get those people on board first, even before your champions. Because if you can make them part of the process early, if you can get the people that you know are the ones that are, excuse the expression, the negative Nellies, and get them on board early and bring them into the working groups and bring them into the situation, they're going to sit there and say, yeah. It says, well, it's like, well we thought of that. And they're going to talk amongst their friends and they're going to sit there and say, hey, listen, management was thinking about us. Leadership was actually thinking about us. They were listening to us. And therefore, we were able to make this process better. You know, so that's really what we need to do. We need to have champions along the way and bringing the naysayers along with them is a really good tactic to be able to make sure that they're the ones that are going to spread the message because you can't talk to everybody. If you're a company of 10,000 people, 50,000 people, 100,000 people, you're never going to get 100,000 opinions. But if you can build champions that are strategically located with those things and they become your listening post that can report back and be able to see where how people are responding, you're going to have a far better pulse of what's going on and be able to be adaptive, resilient, and creative as necessary. Yeah, and what I'm hearing there is you're not necessarily targeting the so-called centers of influence or the leaders in particular divisions across perhaps a large organization. You're, you're looking for those individuals who may run a division or department to identify those, those negative Nellies, as you say, and specifically seek them out to get their buy-in and have them sort of at a grassroots level create change. Well, it's leaders at all levels. You, you can't just sit there and say, okay, this is going to be driven by the VPs and everybody below that is just going to step on board lockstep. It doesn't happen that way. People listen to who they listen to. People trust who they trust. And if it's the person that is, you know, has 15 or 20 friends, but they're the significant 15 or 20 friends across four different divisions, and if they're chirping in somebody's ears and saying, hey, listen, this is stupid. I'm not doing anything about this. That could just throw a monkey wrench into the whole thing. So you need to be able to sit there and say, who are the people that are actually turning the wrenches and making sure that they're the people that are actually on board and understand not only what is happening, what's going to happen, but why they are important individually to be able to make this thing succeed. Great. Ben, for anybody watching or listening who wants to learn more about you or connect with you, what's the best way to get in touch? You know what? Yourbrandmarketing.com. Everything's there. Phone numbers, emails, LinkedIn, everything is available at yourbrandmarketing.com. Yep. And there's going to be a little special link in the show notes too, folks, that Ben's been kind enough to share. Ben, we're going to take a quick break here. This is a good spot to pay a few bills. So you don't go anywhere. You watching and listening, sit tight. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. A stroke can be easy to detect. A loved one can't speak, perhaps they can't move. But there's another sign of a stroke that many of us can't see. It's called spatial neglect, and it can occur during or after a stroke causing distorted visual movements. Fortunately, there's a solution by using optical prism technology during rehabilitation. If you or a loved one have experienced a stroke, ask your doctor about spatial neglect. Spatial neglect, 
See the whole picture at KesslerFoundation.org. Are you burned out, disenfranchised, disengaged, extremely distracted? Do you feel that you're lost in semantics, over-leveraged, overwhelmed? My name is Lisa Fertali, and I have a show on RVN-TV, always streaming. The name of the show is The Neuroscience of Wealth and Well-Being. The intention of this show is to explain how you can get back to homeostasis, flow states, creativity. It's highly correlated with happiness and well-being. So you can get out of overwhelm, get out of burnout, not feel distracted, and get back to your life. You will hear from experts who will get you back on track so you can enjoy your life again. RVN TV, we're always streaming. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers, everybody. Today we're talking about creating transformational change with Ben Baker, who's the president of Your Brand Marketing. And as I alluded to at the top of the program, Ben is also the author of two books, uh, Powerful Personal Brands, which is a hands-on guide to understanding yours, and Leading Beyond a Crisis, a conversation about <laughs> what's next. So Ben, um, tell the audience a little bit about these two books, what inspired you to write them, and what will they learn from reading them? Well, the first book, Powerful Personal Brands, came about in 2017. Uh, I think I published it in actually 2018. I do a lot of work up at the universities. I, I volunteer four times a year. I go up there for one or two days at a time, and I teach networking. I teach conversation skills. I teach how to interview properly, how to present yourself. And I said, there's got to be a book on personal branding because these kids are smart. These kids are extremely smart, but they don't know how to communicate their actual value. They just don't have the skill set yet, and they're not being taught it. I, I actually think it's a real disservice to a lot of these kids. But I sit there and said, there's got to be a book that I, can, that I can sit there and say, hey, look, here's a book on personal branding. Here's something that I really like. Here's something that is going to talk to you not about how to be a movie star, but how to be a person. And I couldn't find what I liked, so I wrote it. I actually wrote it in 45 days. I did. Wow. I got up at five o'clock in the morning, wrote for two hours, did my day at about seven or eight o'clock at night, wrote for another two hours and did that for 45 days straight. And then it took me about nine months to edit. Uh, but it's, it's a great book because it's a workbook. At the end of each chapter, I ask a specific question and I leave three pages of lines for you to write your own answers to it. So it really is a book of self-reflection about questions like, what are the three movies that you really enjoy in life and why? Who are the people, who are the best teachers that you had in, in, in school and why are they important to you? you know, we look at things like that. Why are the things, what are the things that made a difference in your life and why did they make a difference in your life? And it's the number two, it's the why that was the most important. The second book, Leading Beyond a Crisis, was actually a podcast that turned into a book. Uh, I started a podcast in, let's say it was April or May of 2020, right at the, the heating point of COVID. And what we started looking at, uh, Claire Chandler and I started looking at, is that leaders were grabbing their knees and rocking back and forth and not having conversations about what's next. You know, what... What do we do now that we're in a crisis? Now that we've got you know the proverbial stuff hitting the fan, 
what do we do next? Everybody was just, you know, reeling back and didn't know which way to go. So we thought we'd start a podcast going, okay, here are some things that you could do to help your teams, to help your clients, to help your people. And what we did is we looked at this 14, 16 weeks in, and we said, this is a book. And so what we did is we transcribed it, we edited it down, we added a few things, we subtracted a few things, and turned it into a book. And that that was really a fun process. Actually, they both were, but they were very different. No, and I totally get it. It resonates. My second book actually is uh, kind of the compendium of the conversations that I've had on this show. So it totally resonates, and it needs to be out there for sure. Um, mm -hmm. I know one of the things that you talk about is the use of podcasting as a tool. You alluded to it already, but you talk about it in the context of getting to know your customer better as this real strategic tool. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. I've been podcasting, just to give everybody a reference, I've been podcasting for 10 years. Uh, my last show called Your Living Brand Live was five and a half years long. Every Wednesday at 10 o'clock, a new episode dropped, and we had, what, 325 or more episodes. What we do is we take a look at how do we create podcasts that move the needle, whether they be a mini podcast that interviews 10 or 12 or 25 of your customers and gives you insights about who they are, what they do, what their challenges are, and what, you know, what they're looking for to give you as a company insights of, to be able to have the more realistic conversations or to be able to do the same thing with your employees. We have a, a process where we do internal, private, and secure podcasts that are designed to enable more effective communication across large enterprise-level companies. So what it does is it builds asynchronous communication, and it allows people to have greater insights about different people throughout the company, not just the senior leadership, but different divisional leaders, different city leaders, different country leaders, and be able to find out, okay, what are we doing in the China office? What are we doing in the Germany office? What are we doing in Alabama? And how is that different from what we do? And maybe what can we glean from this that's gonna be able to make our job better? Yeah, that's a great and, and unique way to do it. Are, are you finding that organizations are embracing this? I know there was a lot of podcasts that launched right around the time of the pandemic when folks got on Zoom, Ben, and, and they thought, hey, what a great idea, I'm doing a video call, why don't I record it and call it a show? Well, let's not forget, we went from 800,000 podcasts pre-COVID to today, I think in 2023, they said there's 5 million podcasts. Unfortunately, 90% of those podcasts never make it past 10 episodes. And it's because people don't understand really why they're doing a podcast, the strategy behind it, the tactics, and they realize the hard work that it is to do it. Yeah, that's the challenge with podcasting is that it's not just I've got a microphone, I've got a voice, I can be a podcaster. You need to have a reason to have a podcast and a strategy and what do we want our audience to know and why do we think our audience cares about us? And we find that most of our clients, when we're working with them, we spend far more time at the beginning in strategy conversations and goals and, and figuring out what are they trying to do before we actually even lay down the first episode. Yeah, and when, when you talk about, um, as you did, that when, uh, when COVID hit, 
Um, that was a great time to talk about transformational change because we didn't know what the transformation was going to be at the beginning of, of the pandemic, but we knew something was big and changing. And uh, me personally, the leaders that were able to communicate with us candidly and, and literally just say the things like, hey, uh, we really don't know what's next, but we're going to work on it. We're going to share it with you to circle mm -hmm. back to your communication point. That's what really had resonance. It, what it did is it made people feel better. It made people sit there and say, okay, leadership don't have all the answers, but they're working on it. And they care about us. And they understand that we have concerns and trepidations as well. And they're treating us like human beings because they're not hiding everything from us. They're letting us know what's going on. And that could be a real powerful tool to build trust because when you have the trust of your employees, they'll walk through fire for you. you know, but if, you, if they feel that you're hiding stuff from them, that you're keeping stuff from them, all of a sudden they're going, is the company healthy? Should I be out there looking for another job? Um, you know, is this something that my clients really should be looking for another vendor because we're not going to be able to support them? You know, it's we need to be able to instill confidence and podcasting is a way to do that in an asynchronous method because it's not just the one conversation. It's the library of conversations that people can go back to and be able to sit there. Oh, this is what they're saying about this. Oh, this is what they're saying about this. Oh, this is what their idea is this. It's thought leadership. Yep, exactly. Oh, man, I wish I had so much more time to talk to you. There's so many things I want to ask you about. I just got the uh, the shot clock put in front of me. We're down to the short strokes here, Ben, just a couple of minutes to go. Uh, but before I get into wrapping here, at least tell the audience one more time how they can connect with you and where they can get the books. Yeah, the books are available through Amazon. And once again, they're powerful personal brands, a hands-on guide to understanding yours, leading beyond a crisis, a conversation about what's next, both available on Amazon or actually anywhere you can order them. Uh, and the best way to get in touch with me is at yourbrandmarketing.com. And if they go there, I've actually got free chapters of both books that the people can download and there is no paywall. Awesome. Uh, I want to sneak in one more question. I'm going to put you on the clock for maybe 90 seconds tops here. But uh, one of my, my favorite authors is Simon Sinek. Um, and one of his books is called Leaders Eat Last. Great read. Mm -hmm. um, you say that leaders should speak last. And I want you to, to share that thought with the audience as to why leaders should speak last when they're in the meetings. Yeah, I think it comes from the same philosophy of if eat, uh, leaders eat last. If you're in a meeting... And if you tell everybody what you think before you have an idea of what they think, people are either going to agree with you or they're going to say nothing. And if you walk into a situation and say, hey, I'd really like your opinion on this, and then everybody gets a chance to speak and everybody speaks before anybody has a chance to speak twice, before you give your opinion, people feel listened to, they feel understood, and they feel valued. And therefore, when you do say what you have to say, it means that you've you've heard what they've had to say, you've added your two cents, and you say, hey, listen, we understand how this all goes together. Now let's start marching forward. Yeah, and that speaks to any kind of uh, initiative. It doesn't even have to be a transformational piece, but that's how you create the buy-in. That's how you get everyone rowing in the same direction. Ben, exactly. that's it. We're sold out, unfortunately, out of time. But I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. 
Dave, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. We've been talking about creating transformational change with Ben Baker, and as I mentioned, there's some uh, a link in the show notes there for a special treat from Ben, so be sure to check that out. Click on that link and grab his, uh, his free offer there. Uh, I want to thank my producer in the back there for always making the show run smoothly, and of course, I want to thank you, the audience, for watching and listening. We can't do this show without you. Please hit that subscribe button. Stay in touch with all that we're up to. We drop an episode every week here. And again, I'm Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. You can find me on LinkedIn, and I'm always looking forward to have a conversation with you. So with that, that's all we have for today, gang. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care.